Well, good morning, and I'm so glad you're here. I want to talk to you this morning. We're not in a series. This is just a one-time talk, but I want to talk to you this morning about something that impacts every single one of us. I don't care how old you are, what your income level is, where you live, uh, what your background is. This impacts everybody. In fact, I'm going to guess that at some point, even this morning, before you even came to church this morning, I'm going to bet that what I talked to you about is something you have already interacted with today. And if you haven't interacted with it today, you're going to interact with it later on, definitely for sure this week. It is something that each of us has a certain level of contact with in our life, and I am, of course, talking about garbage. Right? Garbage is a part of our lives. In fact, sometimes it's a bigger part of our lives than we give it credit for. I thought, I thought about this recently because my wife and I, we just moved to a new house. And I don't know if you know this, but we don't really think about uh, things like this in our home until something interrupts the natural order of things, you know? Like when you're moving and everything's on the moving truck, right? And so at the old house, there's no trash bin, right? Even though you're still kind of getting stuff packed and getting out of the old house. At the new house, there's no trash bin, right? And you start re recognizing the need for a trash bin when they're not around. Have you ever noticed that? I, I start collecting stuff that needs to go somewhere, you know? And, and having the traditional guy mentality, I figure the best way to handle is just a random trash pile somewhere, right? <laughs> Kitchen counter, that sounds like a good place to me, right? Just go ahead and start, you know, and, and you start getting these trash collections. You think to yourself, wow, trash is really important. It's like a celebration when the moving truck finally gets unpacked and the trash cans actually have a place in your house. You're like, wow, it's so great. We have trash cans again, you know. How many times do you say that? And you know it impacts your entire neighborhood. If you live in a, house, in, in, in a neighborhood like I do, maybe not so much an apartment complex, but if you live in a neighborhood, you know that little, that synchronized ballet that we all do one night a week where we all take our little trash bins out to the edge of the curb and we all set them there, right? You know you're waving at your neighbors, hey, how's it going? The next day is garbage day. Some of you right now are thinking to yourself, I'm glad he said that. <laughs> Tomorrow's garbage day. Tonight's garbage eve. Got to make sure I get my, got to get my trash out there, right? The trash impacts all of us, and it's part of our routine, right? And I, here's what I'd like you to think about, right? No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, and just pretty much, just, this is something that's true for all of us. No matter who we are, our life is made better because we take out the garbage, Right? I mean, our life is better. It's better because we get rid of the trash. I mean, trash is temporary, and that's a good thing, right? You go to the dump, one visit to the city dump is enough to make you thankful that trash is not a permanent part of your life, right? You think, okay, this is where trash is permanent, is at the dump, but it's not the kind of place you want to spend a whole lot of time unless you really have to, right? And so what I want to talk to you about, you, 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 know, you know already that I didn't come to talk to you about physical trash necessarily and the, the trash in our home, but I want to make a comparison. If you'll give me the liberty to do so, I want to make a comparison between, you know, real trash that we have and then the trash that can sometimes take up some space in our lives, right? The, the, things, the things that really, I mean, I, I think about sometimes there have been some things in my life that have really been garbage that have really made my life unpleasant and it's made it more difficult for people to be close to me. And I want to talk about those things if you give me the opportunity this morning and we'll get done really quick. But I, I, this won't be my normal talk. I don't have three or four thoughts for you that all go up in a nice line. I just want to, I want to help you go through just the journey of thoughts here that God led me through this week about this. And, and first off, I think the best way to start off is just to define garbage, right? We're just going to give a, a, a real simple working definition of garbage that we'll use as it relates to real garbage and then as it relates to garbage in our lives. Garbage is worthless stuff that I accumulate that I need to get rid of. 
Garbage is simply worthless stuff that I accumulate and I need to get rid of it, right? It's worthless. Why? Because if it, was, you know, if it wasn't worthless, I'd put it in my garage sale, not in the trash bin. It may, you know, maybe it has some, some sort of intrinsic worth. But to me at this point, it's worthless, right? My life is not made better by keeping the garbage. There is, there is nothing about, uh, uh, if it's really garbage, there's nothing about that that makes my life any better, right? Certainly not long term. All right, and the second part is this worthless stuff that we need to get rid of, right? And let's face it, we put a lot of stuff in our garbage. The main reason we put it there is because we do not want it in our house. We need to get rid of it. If we were to keep it, it would get rotten. If we were to keep it, it would get stale or worse. There's stuff that we just want to get out of our house because the truth is if we were to keep it, it could become a liability, if we were to keep it, something really bad could happen. We get rid of it. We want it out of our house. So these are, these are things that are worthless. We need to get rid of it. And here's the thing. There's been a lot of stuff in my life, just being real square and honest with you, there's been a lot of stuff in my life that I will admit to holding on to that has been worthless and stuff that I needed to get rid of. And I want to talk to you today about a story that Jesus told. And a story, really what Jesus is talking about is how we deal with the garbage in our life. And it gives really two different perspectives about it. And then we're going to be done. This is going to be really quick this morning. All right. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is doing what he does. In Luke 18, Jesus is, he's, he's telling people how to have a relationship with God. He's shaking up the religious establishment. That's pretty much what he, went on, what he did when he was on earth, right? And, and he's telling a story, but you should know who he's telling a story to in this chapter. He's telling a story to a group of people, well, they were, I like to think of them as being the PCP, right? These were professional church people, right? They were, they were very, very excellent church people. We, we call them the, the, the Pharisees, but, but really what the Pharisees were, these were people who started off with good intentions. They wanted to do the right thing in the beginning, and what they did was they became very, very um, well-studied in, in the law of God. They wanted to find out what, what God wanted. The problem is, after a while, what they did was they, they sort of became extra-strength God followers. They became maximum-strength God followers. They took what God said needed to be done, and they started adding a few things here and there. Or they'd say, okay, well, here's what God says needs to be done, so I'm just going to go above and beyond. I'm going to do a little better than what God asked for. And what happened was, and certainly that was a good idea in the beginning, they were saying, I want to really please God, but after a while it became a whole different deal. They were doing those things not to please God anymore, but to feel good about themselves. I don't know if you've known anybody like this. At first they started off wanting to do the right thing, and they tried to do the right thing, and they, they tried to find out what God wanted from them, and, and they were doing that, and it was sincere, and it was out of a heart of wanting to please God, but after a while it wasn't about that anymore. After a while it was about feeling good about themselves, and, and after a while God wasn't even part of the equation. And that's what was happening with these professional church people. And God is talking to them, and he tells them a story. In fact, right here in Luke 18, the Bible tells us uh, what kind of people these were. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else, right? And the word righteousness there just means being right. These people assumed they were right all the time and everybody else was wrong all the time. You've ever met anybody like that? Right? I'm right. You're wrong. Too bad, right? The, and if you're wondering if you know somebody like this in your life, I'll just give you a litmus test. These are people who are more than happy anytime you want to talk about somebody else's shortcomings, they are more than happy to discuss it with you at any point. They are just never willing to discuss their own shortcomings, right? They're, they're, up, to, they're up for talking about anybody else who's messing up, but they're not up for talking about them messing up. And this is who Jesus is talking to. And this is what he said. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. Everybody stands around and says, yes, one was a Pharisee. Pharisees go to church. That's what they do. They're professional church people. They show up there. They come at the time of prayer. They come up and they, they stand at the front and they pray. Of course a Pharisee came to church. That's the way it all works. And then he says, and the other was a despised tax collector. And you heard gasps all over the room. Right? How did a tax collector get in church? Who let him in the door? 
right? I'm amazed God didn't zap him with a lightning bolt as he was trying to head, head through. I mean, this is a big deal. And see, here's the deal. Tax collectors were a breed of their own. If you read in the, in the New Testament, often you'll, you'll see people talking about sinners and tax collectors. Sinners and, and tax collectors. And they were separated out. Why? Because in the Jewish culture, they felt like it was too good to put a tax collector in a bracket with sinners. No, you kept them farther on down the line. There were sinners and then there were tax collectors, which was worse than being a sinner, right? See, what happened was Rome was collecting taxes from the Jewish people, and Rome learned pretty early on that you don't send in a rich Roman person to go collect taxes from the Jewish people. They'll really push back against it. And so what they did was they said, well, we'll just go into the Jewish culture, and we'll find a few people that we can turn. And what we'll do is we'll tell them, here's the deal. We're going to make you the tax collector, right? How fortunate for you. Because what we're going to do is we're going to tell you how much money you have to bring into Rome. And then, of course, you've got to make a living, so, whatever happens, happens. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, right? Whatever you have to collect, right, to make it worth your while. Whatever you have to take in to make it work for you, that's fine, whatever. And can you imagine any more system more open to corruption than that? These guys were, they were part of their community. They were, they were part of the culture. They were people that other people had known for a long time. And they started showing up at their neighbor's doors demanding more money than they had paid before because they could demand any amount of money that they wanted. And so maybe even some of these people started off okay, but they eventually ended up corrupt. These were the guys that were driving Rolls Royces around the neighborhood while everybody else was starving. And it wasn't going over too hot. These were hated people. And yet Jesus said, one guy came in, he was a professional church guy. The other guy came in, he's one of these extortionist guys. And this is what happened. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Now to say he stood by himself is falling short a little bit from what the original text tells us. Translators tell us that when it says he stood by himself, what it means is he posed. You ever met somebody who's a poser? This, this, he posed. He went up to the front of the church, as was the as was the 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 tradition of the Pharisees. He went up to the front of the church and he did this. And, and, and this is not too uncommon. The Pharisees would go up to the front of the church. This is what was common at the time. This, and of course, Jesus is telling a story here, but what was actually common is the Pharisees would go to the front row of the church. They would pose and they would start their prayer off by saying, Dear Lord, I thank you that I'm not a, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. I thank you that I'm not a rich Roman. And I thank you that I'm not a woman. Right? This is the way they started off their prayer. To God, can you imagine? Right? So, but, 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 but Jesus says, he went up and he said, I thank you, God, that I am not a what? A sinner like what? Everyone else. Is this guy for real? I thank you that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But look at this. The tax collector, the extortionist, stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. This is an oriental sign at the time of deep, deep contrition and sorrow and an apology and saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. That word justified means acquitted. That word justified means forgiven. That word justified means set free of the burden. That word justified does not just mean all that. It means all that plus given a new relationship. Can you imagine? I mean, here's the deal. If you've been in church life for quite a while, you've probably heard this story. Maybe, maybe you've heard it several times. But, and, and so maybe if, you're, if, if you've been in church for a long time, the, 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 the conclusion of the story is not shocking. But you should know, in Jesus' time, that was the shot heard around the world. 
to say that a Pharisee could go home from the temple not right with God, but a tax collector could go home from the temple right with God was mind-blowing. Here's what I, here, here's, here's what I want to do. Anytime that this happens in the Bible, anytime we read something and we say, wow, this, really sh- this is a real shake-up. This is something where Jesus is really trying to tell us something. We want to ask ourselves, what do we need to walk away with here? What, what do we need to take as something that we learn from this? What, what, what do we need to walk away and, and change our lives based off of what Jesus is teaching? And I just want to give you some basic thoughts about what Jesus is talking about with the garbage that these two guys had in their life and how they treated it and why one of them went home forgiven and the other one didn't. So here's what I want to give you a few thoughts if you're taking notes. A couple of them are long. Here's the first one. It's short. First thought I want to give you is this. Everybody has garbage. Everybody has garbage. No exceptions. Everybody has garbage. And this is true in real life, isn't it? I mean, you don't get shocked by that fact in real life. I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know what the nicest neighborhood in Wichita is. I have no idea. But if you were to drive through that neighborhood, right, and you drive through on whatever the right evening is, and you see all the trash cans lined up uh, along the curb, you don't get all surprised, look over at your spouse and go, I can't believe it. They've got garbage, right? No, you know they've got garbage. You know everybody's got garbage, right? But have you ever met somebody who this is lost on when it comes to stuff that we have in our life? It's like they act like not everybody has garbage. They're like, well, maybe other people have problems, but not me. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I just don't do anything wrong. And and, you know, you've, maybe you've met somebody like this in their life, and they just don't get that everybody has garbage. But here's the thing. It's really important for us as God followers to really get this truth. And I'll tell you why. There's natural tension in our lives. And, 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 and I think all of us have been on either side of the equation at some point in our life. But there are moments when we can be on this side of the equation. We can get little, a little lifted up in pride accidentally. We can go through a good day, good season. Things are going well for us. We sort of start patting ourselves on the back, and we're pretty good, and we start to feel good about ourselves. And, and, and we start to forget that we have problems, right? And, and all of us have lived that, and we know how difficult life can get for us if we really bank on that, right? But then on the other side, someday, sometimes we go through a difficult day, and life is just not good, and we feel our failure, and we feel the weight of that, and we feel guilty, and we feel bad for things in our life. And certainly it's important for us to be able to take a, a, an, a, an objective look at the things that we do wrong, but sometimes we just go off the deep end, and we get, so, we get to that point where it's really like despair. It's, it's, it's like depressing. It's, it's like, it's like we, we have this deep pain inside and think, man, I'm not worth anything. And God is saying, look, there are going to be moments in your life where you're on either side of the equation and you need to let this principle recalibrate you and pull you back into center. And the principle is that everybody has garbage. So in those days when you feel like I'm a little, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a pretty good guy, maybe I don't have problems, you need to be recalibrated and brought back into center by recognizing that everybody has garbage. But on the days when you feel depressed and like there's nothing good about you and you're totally worthless, you need to be brought back into center and recalibrated by the understanding that everybody has garbage. God says everybody has garbage. Romans 3.23, it's a familiar verse for many of us. Some of us have committed it to, to memory. Romans 3.23 says, says, for everyone has sinned. Everybody has garbage in their life. And all of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard, right? So the Bible says everyone and all. You notice those are, those are ubiquitous words. Everybody, all have fallen short of God's standard. But look at what this Pharisee was saying. Luke 18, I don't cheat and I don't what? Sin. He had fooled himself into thinking that he wasn't part of everybody anymore. He wasn't part of all anymore. I'm certainly not like that tax collector, but God is clear this guy had garbage, right? And I just read you a verse that really says that, but to, just to get real specific, 
In Matthew 23, 3, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Pharisees, and Jesus basically says, look, these guys are pretty good scholars. They're, they're pretty good students. They've done their homework. When they start teaching about what, what, you know, what God has said and, 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 and the old covenant, when you hear them teaching about that, they're probably right on because they've done their homework. But then he says, but don't follow their example. Why? For they don't practice what they teach. God's calling them out. Jesus is calling them out. He's saying, they've got garbage. This guy, this guy may have a good line. He may teach it all right. He may be a professional church person. He may know how to pose, but he doesn't practice what he teaches. See, this Pharisee had spent a lot of his life quaffing a, a garbage-less image, right? He had worked really hard to get an image with no garbage, right? And I don't know why. I don't know why. Could be that he had started becoming a little attached to the garbage in his life, and he wasn't ready to let it go. Maybe you know somebody like this in your life. Maybe there's somebody in your life who's struggling with an addiction of some sort, and it's worthless, and you know it, and they know it, and they need to get rid of it, and there's no question about that. It is destroying their life. It, but the problem is they become so attached to it that, 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 that they won't deal with it, and they, they, they work really hard because they're trying to, trying to live with the fact that they've got this garbage they become attached to, so they develop a garbage-less image and they're trying to look really good in front of other people, and they're trying to keep it all together and look like they've got it all together. But you know and they know that they've got garbage in their lives. Or it could be, it could be that this Pharisee was just, just didn't want other people to see his garbage. It could be he just didn't want other people to recognize that he had problems in his life. But whatever the case, any of us that ever try to develop a garbage-less image, can I just tell you it'll catch up to us after a while. It'll catch up to us after a while. Think about it. If I decided I wanted to have a garbageless image in my neighborhood, what would I have to do? Well, you say, well, Jonathan, if you don't want your neighbors to see your garbage, you just have to not get rid of it, right? Have to keep it. And this is a huge principle for life. It won't be on the screens, but if you're taking notes, this is a huge principle for life. If you choose not to deal with the garbage in your life, you must accommodate it. If you don't deal with it, you must accommodate it. You must make room for it, and it grows, and it will be, it will be a collection of garbage that you have really no control over, and if you don't deal with it, you will have to make room for it. You will have to accommodate it. See, that's what this Pharisee was doing. He had garbage in his life, but he wanted a garbageless image, and so he continued to accommodate it, right? And here's the, here's, here's the second thought I want to give you, and I want you to think about this and really, and really think about it. If, if, if maybe a person comes to mind when I say this point or you think about how this maybe has applied at some point in your life, if I accommodate garbage in my life, my personal experience is going to become unpleasant and it's going to be more difficult for other people to have a relationship with me. The more I accommodate garbage in my life, the more difficult life becomes on me and the harder I become, for, it becomes harder for anybody to become close to me. You think about it like this. Say, you know, go back to my example a second ago. If I decided, you know, in my home, I don't want to, I, I, I want a garbageless image and I got to keep all my garbage so my, my basement turns into one big huge garbage pile, right? And I invite you over to my house and you walk in the front door and you're like, whoa, Jonathan, ambience is a little heavy in here, you know, right? You wouldn't want to be at my house. You wouldn't want to be close to me. After a while, I would start to smell the garbage in my home. You wouldn't want to be close to me. And on top of that, going home would not be the favorite thing of, um, in my day. My life would start getting difficult. It'd be difficult for you to be around me. Why? Because I'm accommodating the garbage in my life. And that's what was happening with this guy. One of the things that keeps reality shows in business in our country is that we have a, a term for people who accommodate garbage. We call it extreme hoarding, right? 
hoarding, I guess, is, is, is collecting stuff uh, that maybe has some intrinsic value. But, but now we've got this new term circulating around extreme hoarding, and it means that I, I basically hold on to all the garbage because there's a compulsion not to let go, right? And, and here's the thing. Not, not, not to be insulting or anything to anybody who struggles with that, but I think the reason that the reality show business is doing so well with shows like this is because they know America is sitting there on their couches watching these shows going, how do they live like that? How do they live like that? But we miss the point. Because so many of us, and I'm so guilty of this myself, I've had moments in my life where I was just as guilty of a compulsion to hold on to garbage in my life that I should have let go and I knew it was worthless, but I had a compulsion to hold on to it. Maybe it's a friendship, and you know that friendship is not taking you in a positive direction, and it's not about you, it's not about you not being around that person and not being a Christ-like influence. It's you know you're letting them influence you too much, and you're being too close to me. You know you shouldn't be, and you know that you need to get rid of this friendship, but there's a compulsion to hold on or it's a habit in your life and you know it's worthless and you know you need to get rid of it and you know it's time it's time to deal with it. it's time to deal with the garbage but the thing about it is there's a compulsion to hold on and then we're surprised we're surprised when it becomes difficult to be us and when it's difficult for other people to have a relationship with us James 1 15 is a really good verse that helps us understand why this is the case. In James 1.15, the Bible says, when sin is allowed to grow, it brings about death or it gives birth to death, right? When sin is allowed to grow, so, so when, when we accommodate garbage in our life and we have this growing garbage collection, when we accommodate garbage in our life, it gives birth to death. And death there just means the end. It means the, the, the end of, of relationships, the end of a future, the end of our purpose, the end of our hopes and dreams, and sometimes even the end of our life. It's the end, right? And the Bible's saying when we allow the garbage in our life to grow, when we have this growing garbage collection and we accommodate it and we make room for it, it brings about the end of things that are important to us. I said a second ago, maybe there's somebody in your life who's struggling with an addiction because the, and the reason I use addiction is it's, a, it's a, a real good way to think about this because so many of us know people that are struggling with this, right? And you watch them and you see the most important per parts of that person's life ending because they're accommodating the garbage in their life. You can't do anything about it. You're wanting to help them, but you watch them accommodate that garbage and you're, you've got a front row seat and you're watching the most important parts of their life end. Why? Because the Bible says it brings about death when sin is allowed to grow. I want to, I, 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 I want to, I, please, please know, I'm not trying to get cute this morning, but I want to talk to you about what happens when we, when we try to accommodate garbage in our life. Uh, when you accommodate garbage in our life, see, all of us are smart people, and eventually that'll catch up to us, and it's not pleasant, and, and it causes issues with relationships, and we know we got to do something about it. So, so this guy had, I think like a lot of us, he had a bag of tricks of things he was going to do to make himself feel better about the garbage in his life. And the first one that he used is one that I used a lot when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, and then especially when I was in college. Um, I used this a lot with my parents, and it didn't work then, it doesn't work now, but the, the, um, a lot of you probably are familiar with this one. And that is, he said, yes, well, you know, maybe I've got some garbage in my life, but it could be worse, right? Could, could be worse. Now, look at this. You know, and I, I, that's what I would do with my parents. My parents would say, now, Jonathan, your attitude's getting a little disrespectful. And I'd say, yeah, but I don't do drugs, right? You're not having to bail me out of prison, are you? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm showing up at home at curfew time, am I not, right? 
disrespectful attitude, sure, maybe it's a problem, but it's not a problem problem. This is a problem problem, right? And, and it's as though, you know, for this Pharisee, he had gotten real comfortable. This was his, you know, this is my love, my picture. I bring my picture around with me everywhere. This is my picture that tells me that I'm, I'm really a pretty good guy. You know, compared to this, I'm really a pretty good guy. And, and so this was something he kept with him all the time. This was his picture. And look at this in Luke 18, 11. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not what? A sinner like everybody else. For I don't cheat, and I don't commit adultery, and I don't sin. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. He didn't even need a picture for that. He said, look over there. I'm not like that guy, right? I don't want to get in anybody's grill, but we really struggle with this. I hear this a lot. Even in my office, I hear this a lot. You know, maybe I'm struggling. Maybe, I'm, maybe i got a problem, but I don't have a problem problem. I mean, people, you know, and maybe, maybe your spouse confronts you about something and says, hey, when you do this, it, it hurts me. It causes me a problem. Yeah, well, at least I haven't cheated on you. At least, at least I haven't left you. At least I, at least I work. I bring home a paycheck. At least I fill in the blank, right? Or, or maybe your financial advisor, which may be your spouse. Maybe your financial advisor tells you that maybe your spending is a little out of control, you know? Well, yeah, well, at least I'm not bankrupt, right? At least, at least I'm paying the bills. And we use that to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. So we'll leave that there for just a second. The art of comparison. Some of us are really good at that. But then he does something, and I gotta tell you, this has gotta be the strangest, weirdest twist in this whole story. And when I read it, I thought, wow, what is he doing here? But then I thought, you know, this is 2012 America, if anything ever is. Because after he compares himself to somebody else, he starts decorating the garbage. He starts decorating the garbage. He, he says, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income, right? And that is what we, we so do that in American culture. We say, yeah, it may be trash, but I can handle that. I watch HGTV and I, I can do a little bit of decorating here because, um, see, I got a little pop of color and uh, I'm put this around. And a little bit, oh, that's not, that's not the show. All right, now I'm a little bit of a scrunch there. And let's see, I got something else here. Put this, that's much better. Right, stay. All right, wait, there's something missing. There's something missing. Better. All right, so then we, we do all that. We decorate the garbage, and then we say, look, God, better, right? better, God, right? Look, look at the picture. Look at this. Look at the picture. Look at this, right? I'm better than this, right? He's saying, look, I'm not like a bad person or anything. I, I, I don't do terrible, terrible things. It's not, that's not who I am. And then on top of that, look, God, I, I, I fast twice a week, right? And fasting just means he supposedly was spending his time not eating, but thinking, thinking about God, meditating on God's word, communicating with God. He said, I did this twi twice a week. And there was a lot of debate about how often a person should have to fast, but nobody was recommending somebody should have to fast twice a week. He's saying, God, I'm an extra strength Christian. I'm a, I'm a maximum strength Christian. I'm putting it over the edge. Be proud of me. Look at how nice this looks. He's like, you know, God, I, I tithe on, on, on all my income. And, and you should know when he says that, it's kind of like he's, he's double tithing. It's kind of like paying an income tax on the income tax you've paid. It's, it's like, because he was basically saying, I haven't just tithed. I've tithed off what I've tithed off of. He's saying, look, God, look at all the great things I've done. Look at this. This looks so much better now, doesn't it? Right? And some of us, sometimes we, we kind of make the mistake of doing that. 
We say, but God, but I'm on the PTA. God, I, 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 I give. God, I, I volunteer. God, I, I, I do all these good things and see, it doesn't look so bad. I, I know I got problems, but my problems don't look so bad when you realize that I'm not really a terrible person and look how nice I can make it look. It's not perfect. It's abstract, right? And if you, um, if you watch TV long, watch the commercials, go to movies, you watch, you'll, you'll at some point see somebody advertise a worthless activity for you. You'll watch somebody advertise garbage for you, right? And you'll notice, watch this, when somebody is advertising, when you watch a commercial or you see something in a movie and somebody is advertising something that is worthless and it's something you'll want to get rid of if you take it into your life, watch how much they glamorize it for you, Right? Andy Stanley has a great has has something that he says it's great. He always says, "Think about the last movie you went to. W- when was the last time you went to a movie where the love scene in the movie was between a committed husband and wife?" But no, we we glamorize, we decorate the affair. We we glamorize and decorate the the the, the addictions, the behaviors that get us in trouble, right? Why? Because it makes us feel better about it. I have a friend right now who's, he's making choices that are tearing apart his life, his family's life, and, and it breaks my heart. But what he's done is he's decorated the garbage in his life so long that he's lost track of what's even really going on in his life. I want to give you this thought, and, 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 and I'll, I'll flesh out what I just said. This next thought I want to give you as our time is, is, is running past is if I decorate the garbage in my life, if I decorate the garbage in my life, I may feel better about it for a minute, but what I'll be doing is, honestly, I'll be lying to myself. I'll be telling myself a lie. I said a second ago, my friend, he's a good guy. I've, I've known him for six, seven years. He's a really good guy. And I, and I know that somewhere in the back of his mind, he knows that what he's doing is wrong, but he's decorated the garbage so long in his life, and he's been telling himself a lie, really, about what's underneath all the wrapping paper that now he doesn't even remember what's right and wrong anymore. He's convinced himself he's okay. Galatians 6.3 says this. It says, if you think you are something when you are nothing, you deceive yourselves. You're telling yourself a lie. Each of you should test your own actions. What it means by test your own actions is look underneath the wrapping paper and see what's underneath there. It says, then you can take pride in yourself. It just means to feel good about yourself without comparing yourself to somebody else. You say, now, Jonathan, what does the Bible mean when it says think you're something when you're nothing? Didn't God create me as a human being with intrinsic worth? I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm worthless, does it? No, it doesn't mean that. But what God is saying, he's saying there's, there's sometimes we can, we can decorate the garbage in our life and we can think we really got something good going on when there's nothing good going on there at all. Look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by what? By the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. God's got x-ray vision. He sees past the wrapping paper. Right? God is saying, be careful, be careful. Be careful how much you decorate the outside because you just might forget what's underneath there. Matthew 23, 25, and 26 says this. What sorrow awaits for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. Those were the professional church people. Hypocrites, for you are so careful to what? Clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. God's saying, you're not fooling anybody. There's trash underneath there. But then he says this, you blind Pharisee. Now, why would God call them blind? Why would Jesus use the word blind? 
Well, because they decorated the garbage so long in their life, they no longer knew what they were looking at. Didn't look like garbage anymore. And I gotta tell you, my, my heart right now is broken for America. My heart's not broken for any other reason than we are in a culture who has decorated the garbage for so long we don't even know what we're looking at anymore. We're so confused. It kind of looks like it's okay now. Stuff that we would have never said was okay before. We've decorated it so long. Now we're saying it's okay. But, but the fact is, and here's what I want you to get. I said a second ago, we decorate the garbage. We do good things. And I know there's every single person in this room, you do good things. You try to do things that please God. I'm sure of it. But here's the thing I want to share with you. Because the Pharisee had been decorating the garbage and lying to himself, and he lost track of what was good and what was bad, he lost the point and the purpose of every good thing that he did. He said, God, I fast twice a week. But the purpose of fasting was not to keep the guy from eating. God developed fasting as a way for people to get disconnected from their own selfish desires and connected to him. The problem was he couldn't be connected to him because he was sitting on garbage that he wouldn't deal with. He said, God, I give you 10% of my income, but I guarantee you God would much rather have had him deal with the garbage in his life than bring money. God can get money anywhere. He wanted this guy to get straight in his life. He lost the point and purpose of everything he'd ever done. See, the thing about it is there is, there is beauty in honesty. There is, there, there is the, when, when we are honest about our garbage, we, we can actually live a life where we have a compass. We know which way is up. We understand what's right and wrong. But in Isaiah 5.20, the Bible says this, What sorrow for those who do what? Say. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark and bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. God is saying, look, here's the deal. You've really got to be careful how you label the garbage in your life. There may come this moment where you'll start saying, hey, it was bad, now it's good. See how much better. And we start calling bad good and good bad and sweet bitter and bitter sweet, and we eventually lose track of what's really, really true. In our culture, we use our intellect to do that, don't we? It's too easy to filter God through the public opinion polls. It's too easy to filter God through um, political correctness. We come up with our own views of God, and we lose track of what's really true. Galatians 6, 7 says this, and I've got to move really, really quickly, but Galatians 6, 7 says this. Do not be what? Misled. Don't be blind. Don't be confused. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant, no matter how you decorate it, no matter how pretty a bow you put on it. You will always reap the benefit of what is underneath there. So you say, Jonathan, so far you got me pretty depressed. Listen, I have done all of this to lead you to this point because this point, actually, this point has a lot to do with who New Spring is. But this is, what I, this is what I've been looking forward all week to saying. And this is my last thought that I really want you to think about. God will deal with the garbage in our lives. God will deal with the garbage in our lives, but we have to be real with him about it. See, the thing about it is, the, the, the professional church person wasn't qualified for forgiveness with God because they were a professional church person. And the tax collector was not disqualified for forgiveness with God because of the wrong things he had done. What, what actually made the final determination was who was real, who was, who was honest with God. 
Who came to God and asked for forgiveness? Who was willing to own up to their mistakes? Who was willing to agree with God about their behavior? The Pharisee just frankly was not. And so it didn't matter all the things that he had done to try to be a good person. Those were all just uh, worthless shows of, of empty demonstration. But the person who really came to God and said, God, I want to be real with you about what's going on in my life. That person, God said, he walked home acquitted. John 4, 23 says this, but the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. And spirit means I worship God from the inside. It's not just a show. It's not just a body posture. It is me choosing to worship God from the inside. There's really something legit going on inside of me worshiping God. And the only way I can do that, and the reason the Bible says in spirit and in truth, the only way I can worship God from the inside out is if I'm willing to be God, I'm willing to be honest with God. And honesty with God means I'm honest with God. I understand the truth about God, and I understand the truth about me. I understand that God is God, and I am not. I understand that his standards are not up for, up for question, up for debate, or, or, or up for reinvention. I understand that when God says something is wrong, it's wrong. And if I step across the line, I have to be honest with him about it. God is saying he's looking for people who worship him that way. Quickly, because my time is gone, I want to I go to Matthew eleven twenty eight. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, now this is the voice of Jesus. He, he's, he's God and he's, he's, he's our father and he's calling us and he says, he says, come to me. Come to me. What's the next word? All. What does the Bible say? Everyone has sinned. All have fallen short. Everybody has garbage. Come to me all. Come to me all. All of you who are weary, come to me, all of you who carry heavy burdens. What heavy burden are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that after a while, you accommodate garbage and it becomes too much for you to carry. It just becomes too much. And God is saying, you got a heavy burden? I say, come to me, come to me. Why? He says, you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. Now look at this. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You forgive me for a very lighthearted thought at the end of a very heavy message. But I'm a pretty hokey person, so I think things like this. You know, when I'm putting the garbage out on, actually Monday morning is our new garbage day, so I do have to put the garbage out tonight. When I put the garbage out on Sunday night, you know, it's no fun. First of all, it's cold right now. You know, you're out there, you know, and, and you're stumbling around, stubbing your toe and stuff. It's dark. You know, you're, you're taking that heavy bin of garbage out to the curb, you know. But isn't it fun? Maybe I'm the only person who feels this way. Isn't it fun after the garbage man comes and empties your garbage you know, taking the garbage bag. It's so light, you know. You, I'm just doing it with one finger. Look how strong I am, you know. I'm just the, you know. There's something about it, isn't there? You know, you've got all this garbage. The garbage guy comes, he empties the garbage, and it's like a fresh start. It's, it's light, you, you know. And that's what God is saying. God is saying, look, come to me. You got a heavy burden. Come to me. Be real with me. Be straight with me. Tell me, tell me how it is. Agree with me about the things that you've done wrong. Let's have a, let's have a, honest discussion about this, and I will take care of the heavy burden. I will give you a light one in its stead. See, God is still in the business, after all these years, God is still in the business of taking care of our burdens if we will just be honest with him, if we will be real with him. There's no need to decorate the garbage. You'll spend way more effort than you need to doing that. God has called us to be honest with him, and if we will own up to it, he will take care of our burdens. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. 
that you are a God who takes care of the garbage in our lives. Father, thank you that even though sometimes we get trapped and, and, and messed up with worthless stuff that we need to get rid of, Father, that you are there to help us through that process. And Father, we confess we make mistakes, and Father, we leave it in your hands, and we know you are the person who transforms lives. Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, and I have no time, but I, I just would not feel good if I didn't give you the opportunity. If you're in this room, you say, you know what, Jonathan, I have a heavy burden. I, 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 I have a lot of garbage in my life, and at the end of the day, I don't even have a relationship with God. And as I heard you talk today, I just my heart was really stirred, and I said, I need to have a relationship with God. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I want to give you the opportunity to pray out to God, to be honest about your life, to be real about your garbage, and to give God the opportunity to, to come into your heart. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say this prayer. You can say this with me silently in your head, and if you do, it'll be settled once and for all. Here we go. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I want to be real with you. I've messed up. There's garbage in my life, and I ask your forgiveness. I'm choosing to trust you, and I'm asking you to make me your child. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name. Now, would you look this way? Everybody look this way. If you just prayed that prayer this morning, you just made the biggest decision in your life. And we actually put together a packet of materials. My dad wrote a little booklet. There's a DVD in here we just want to give you. So if you prayed to receive Christ, you can take the talk to us card you got when you came in. You can fill out your information, fill out the box, uh, check the box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. You can take that to guest services right through these center doors or back by the coffee shop, and they'll give you that packet with no hassles, all right? Thank you so much for being here this morning. Jake. Again for being here. Have a great week and happy Thanksgiving.